0: Okay, Uh, today my guest is Professor Felipe Monteiro. I will keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Felipe as a person, Professor Monteiro is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally as a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Monteiro is a senior fellow of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management at Wharton School. He is also the academic director of the Global Talent Competitiveness Index at INSEAD. His research received various awards from the Academy of Management, the AIB, and the SMS. He also received best case awards in 2018 and 19. He is part of the World Economic Forum's expert network about the future of the digital economy. Digital Economy and Society, Latin America and Fourth Industrial Revolution. He was also a member of the World Economic Forum's advisory group on the emerging best practices of Brazilian globalizers. He consults and gives talks for companies and governments worldwide. And thank you, Filipe, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Elgas.
0: Uh, first question is always, uh, what did you want to become when you were a child?
1: So it's interesting. I, I don't remember what I want to become when I was a child, but when I was a teenager, I really wanted to become a diplomat. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and it was, I was serious about it. And I, I remember because I went to law school kind of wishing to be a diplomat. And I even had kind of, kind of private classes uh, because you have to pass, right, a public exam to become a diplomat in Brazil. And let me tell you a kind of um, anecdote because... I was having private classes with Brazilian diplomats at that time. And one of my tutors at that time ended up becoming now the president of the New Development Bank. Uh, So he's a Brazilian diplomat. And I mean, I met him recently. I actually invited him to come to INSEAD and give a talk. And I said, you know, when 25 years ago, I was having kind of private classes with you, uh, and, and then, yeah, things changed. I didn't become a diplomat, but I still have fond memories of that time.
0: You actually invested a lot of time and effort into this thing. It is not like a childhood dream of <clears throat> being a policeman, being a doctor, being a teacher. Uh, what made you choose IB? So,
1: you know, I, I mean, becoming an IB scholar was kind of later, much later on in my life. But, you know, since I was a kid, and I mean, my parents uh, are Brazilian, but you know, they when they want to talk kind of between themselves and not having me and my kind of sister understand them, they were speaking either in French or English. <laughs> so as a child, I have this recollection. You know, I need to learn kind of I need to learn French or I need to learn English because I you know I need to understand what my parents are speaking. So. I have this recollection of kind of living in Brazil, but already as a child, having this connection with kind of the world and connection with foreign languages, simply at that time, just to know, I want to understand why my parents are talking.
0: I'm curious what they were talking about, but uh, <clears throat> okay. So uh, something interesting about you uh, that you wouldn't put on your CV. So I think,
1: I think professionally, guys is it's interesting. And I mean, not many people know is I was kind of Sumitakshao's last PhD student, so uh, when I went to LBS, um, I mean the first person I worked with was uh, Samantha Garcia. and uh, and I, I remember right, I I learned a lot from him, and I we ended up writing kind of a couple of cases and some managerial journals, but I think it was too bad that he you kind know, of he passed away. Uh, before I graduated and, and I was already working with, with Julian Buckenshaw as well. But I think I thought it's, it's, it was someone who really influenced me uh, in my early years as a, as a scholar. I think more on, the, on a more personal side. Uh, I think what's kind of funny about my day to day is, uh, I mean, I'm Brazilian, my wife is Argentinian, my kids were born in the UK, we now live in France. So, literally, okay, every day we speak four languages here at home. Everybody with different accents, nobody understands each other. So, <laughs> you know, when you go to the classroom and you're teaching about IB and those things, you know, it is something that you go, I come back home and I know exactly <laughs> what it means.
0: This was funny. Um, okay, if you stop doing what you're doing today, what would you do as a second career or as an alternative?
1: I think you know, if I look and maybe, right, you have similar experience, I think already now, right? I, I teach, I research, uh, but I also kind of consult to a number of organizations. So I think maybe, right, the most immediate ones, yes. No, if I were not an academic, probably I would be kind of doing what we teach either as a consultant or having a business career. Uh, I think if I go and say no, Think about also the things that I like and sector that I like. I, I love kind of the, I love wine and a lot of wine tasting. So if I think, you know, if I could do something different, maybe I would kind of work for a winery and think about the globalization of that winery. How we uh that would be a fascinating sector to work.
0: It is fascinating. Okay, let's talk about uh, regrets. Uh, have you got any regrets? Uh, do you have one wish uh, that one thing that you wish you would have done, but you didn't?
1: I don't think I have a, I think first of all, I think we were, we are so lucky and I'm so lucky and so grateful. Uh, So I don't, I I cannot pinpoint one major regret, but if I look back, you know, probably the the things that I regret most of the time were, you know, being too worried about how to control the future and being right too worried about what's going to happen and and maybe sometimes not enjoying uh, the moment. So If I look back, especially maybe in my PhD years, you know, maybe I was too worried at that time, and right? And I wished I just kind of enjoyed those years without worrying too much what would would happen after graduation.
0: Um, And um, what did you learn from your biggest failure? Well, I think most of the time,
1: I think the, the learnings are, really about self-awareness at least to me right are really about understanding what I right what really matters to, to me and who I really what are my really my most important values and I think most of the times when I think you fail it's because you deviate from the things that really matter to you I don't know if that makes sense to you
0: it does it does make a lot of sense um well while my guests are talking uh, with me, I'm always thinking about what would be my answer to the question. <laughs> and um, more interviews, I, I think uh, I'm getting more regrets and more things that I, uh, I'm i remembering. Okay, what are you most proud of?
1: I think, yes, someone like me who has kind of, I mean, I left Brazil 20 years ago. I think Maybe the thing that I'm most proud of is kind of, although being far away from the people that really matter to me there, right? My family, my friends, I'm really happy to have managed to keep a very close relationship with them despite the distance. Um, And and to a certain extent, I think this this is important to me, not only what it means to me, but also to show to my children that people who are important to you it doesn't matter if they are distant, you can still have meaningful relationships and you can nurture and keep those people really in your life. So I'm I'm really kind of, I'm really proud as I look and write and and I think about my, my friends, my old time friends, how I, we're still very close friends.
0: Perfect. Now let's uh, switch gears to to research for the sake of time. Uh, Let's say you're stranded uh, in a, in a small pub uh, locals don't know who you are and they don't you're talking to people who don't read your work regularly what do you say how do you explain your research to uh, d- these type of people you
1: know, maybe another way of, of kind of answering that question say how would i explain my research to my mother or uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people really don't understand what we do you know i think that the way i try to describe what i do is you know i'm really interested in in understanding how organizations go to other places to learn and there's so much knowledge in different parts of the world and there's so much that they can learn from and despite all this potential of you no know, going and learning from these different places many times they don't many times something goes wrong many times they up they don't pay attention to those opportunities why and i say you know what i love to do is kind of is really going and talking to those organizations and kind of really spending time with them, understanding why sometimes the potential for that learning doesn't materialize.
0: When I talk to my mother about what I do, she "Ah, oh, we, we know that already, so what's new? So uh, you're luckier than I am. Um, so what are a few of the <clears throat> omitted variables in IB research, things that we understudied so far?
1: I think what's most difficult for us to study are things which are happening inside organizations, which are very hard to observe. I think there are many. I think to me, some of those which I'm really interested in is understanding internal processes, um, things that are happening in many times, they're not visible. Let me give an example. So, you know, I was talking about learning and going to different places to learn. I mean, a lot of what we do a lot of what we can do is kind of many times looking at location choices and then looking at patenting, right? And you say, yes, no multinationals located in Silicon Valley. Now they are patenting about technology there. I think what is hardly observable. Uh, and I think to me, we need to spend much more time. is like, Okay. From the moment you locate there to the moment you start patenting, what's happening, right? What's happening inside those organizations. So I think getting a sense of variables which are really related to internal processes how people are behaving um i think this is very important not easy to do but i think very important
0: um let's talk about creativity what does your mind uh, think of when it's wanders freely in a state of idle curiosity like how do you come up with uh, creative ideas
1: I mean, there are two things, right? So I think it's, it's, I mean, how do you come up with creative ideas? And I think to me, typically these are when you are, at least me, when you're really close to the field and close to the phenomenon and talking to people are really struggling with real problems. And, and, right, and, and getting that intuition, uh, right, getting that smell of, of the problems that, you know, sometimes it sparks, yes, you know, we haven't thought about that, or we haven't thought about that from a theoretical perspective. I think also, I think to me today, you know, if you ask me when I think what, what we should be thinking about, and I think there's so much going on in the world Right and so much kind of big question marks in terms of how the world is going to be after COVID and how the world is going to be in terms of you no know, geopolitics and digitalization. So I think there'll be a lot of interesting questions to to be investigated.
0: So uh, what's going to be the major topics in the next five to ten years in the field? Uh, what do you get? Um, as an advice, for example, to PhD students thinking about the dissertation ideas, what is the new front?
1: So, you know, I think there are two, maybe three things going on, on kind of in terms of phenomenon, and there's kind of something important going on in terms of methods. I think the three things which I think are going on in terms of trends are, you know, for us in IB, I mean, the importance of geopolitics, Right. To mainstream business questions, I think it's really, really high the list. Uh, I still remember uh, you guys going to AIB. I think it was AIB Vancouver, and then I remember Dominique Barton, the former CEO of McKinsey. I think one of us asked him, you know, what keeps you awake at night, and what. And I remember still at that time, maybe ten years ago, he was saying, "No, I'm really worried about geopolitics," uh, mm-hmm. and I remember at that time it was not that clear to me. And now I see why, right? Maybe why he was saying that. So I think there's there's this main issue that I think will impact a lot of business. Um, And maybe in that sense, more on forcing more localization, forcing, right? Less kind of pushing against globalization, if I may say so. I think the opposite force there is, I think what's happening in terms of digitalization and digital transformation. Uh, has an incredible, right? Uh, is opening incredible opportunities for firms to be more global. Um, and so I think it's varying right? The creation of new ecosystems. So I think it's very interesting to see those two things, kind of those two forces and how they will redefine global business. And I would add a third one, which is really how the mindset and how people are changing their mindsets in terms of what is acceptable and not acceptable as we think about sustainability and as, as we think about you know, social responsibility. So if I think about you know the the scene of international business and how multinationals think about their global strategies, I think those three things, right, those three forces are really kind of created many avenues for us to understand uh, global business. And I would add, so I was saying more in terms of trends, I would say that for us, right, as as students, as researchers, I think what's interesting methodologically, right, or in terms of what's possible to do, is there are so many new methods to capture data. Right? So both the availability of data, but also how you treat the data. That right, Not mm-hmm. even our dreams before we say, wow, how would you get this amount of data, right? How would you really interpret it? How would you really analyze it? So I think, right? These are new frontiers that, if I if I were starting my PhD now, I would be really excited to see. You know, wow, both in terms of what's happening in the external environment, but also how we'll be able to capture and treat it. Um, I think what we need to be working on is how do we ask right, the right questions, relevant questions.
0: Uh, Felipe, I mean, uh, you've seen a progression since Gauchal's times, right? From Gershaw to today? You've seen an evolution in Ivy. Uh, we are evolving into something. Uh, during this evolution, what did we lose? What did we gain? Um, how do you see the field?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think one thing that we, I think we, we lost, or at least we're doing less. And uh, let me tell you another anecdote. I remember um, one of my first kind of Seminars in my PhD program uh, um, was to talk about kind of one of Goshau's books. So I, I went to him and I say, Sumatra, you know, I have to prepare the summary about your book. What should I tell my, what should I tell my colleagues, right? And then he was kind of he was almost upset. You know, you should tell them that they should go and talk to managers. They should go and, you know, this idea that they would be asking questions that are only relevant to, right, to academics, it doesn't make sense, they should be, uh, right? And he was you know, look at me, you see in the book, I was talking to, right? All those big companies. So I think somehow, uh, I think a lot of us for different reasons, right? Um, we may have lost part of that influence and part of that kind of access really to the top managers in the top organizations, right? So I think I worry about, right? How many of them are really reading and listening to us? I think on the other hand, I think we gained a lot in terms of right, our ability to, right, to measure, to test, right, to, to be more scientific um, in a number of, of dimensions. So I think to me, it's kind of, let's use the apparatus that we have now, but let's use it to answer relevant questions right, that are important not only to us, but also important to to the world, right? And to important that we really have an impact on how business is done.
0: I mean, underlying uh, theme in your conversation, in, in conversation with you, is you know we need to talk to managers, we need to get to figure out what's happening in real life, and uh, see how we can research it, right? So, where do people start? Where do just the patient and goes to a company, knocks on the door, says, "What are your problems? What is your suggestion for uh, following that type of uh, research? How should they do?"
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure I have a, a kind of a, a good recipe, but at least kind of uh, different approaches. I think for me, the first thing is if you are really interested, right, in genuine, genuinely relevant questions. I think managers would be interested to talk to you, right? Because you, you are, right, the questions you ask or you know, the way you asking those questions are really relevant. But I think to me, one, one way at least that I try to, to do and, and think about this is I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go and talk to managers in a very transactional way. I think you really have to build relationships that they see, you no, know, it's not that you, you wanna come and you're gonna come and go uh, right, you, you really try to contribute, you really try to kind of really be, be part of that conversation. Um, of course, I believe, and again, you guys, I'm very grateful to the many people who helped me. Right? So I think right, if you are a, a PhD student or maybe if you are a junior uh, scholar, right, you'll be your colleagues, your advisor, right? people who really already have those relationships, um, who can kind of help you get a foot in the door. Um, but to me, really, is this, this approach of you know, what you're doing, you're building long-term relationships rather than having very transactional uh, relationships, I think that this, is, this is really important if you want to have this uh, type of access.
0: This was very good. Thank you. Uh, Felipe, what was the best advice you received when you were starting out? I
1: think for me, uh, I think that there is the the advice of of different senior faculty um, really pushing me really to say, no, you have to work on things that you really love. And I think this is true. I mean, this idea of many times people might be kind of tempted to go to what is the latest, what is gonna be more promising and they forget about uh, what they really like. And I think in our careers, right, in our profession, I think you really have to work on things that you really, really like. Because you will be working with those issues for so long okay? that if you're just kind of doing, working, researching, teaching of things that someone else thinks is, right, is the latest trend, but it's not what you really love. Um, I think it's gonna be very short-lived. So I think maybe the best advice I heard is, you know, forget about what people say is trendy, forget about what people say is gonna be the next thing, do, right? work on things that you think you're going to be passionate about, enthusiastic about, right? For a long time.
0: That's spot on. Um, what are the skills uh, other than, uh, I mean, these students are getting trained, junior faculty, are already trained in uh, techniques, like empirical techniques. Uh, they know the theories. What other things do they need to develop um, for, for a successful career? I I
1: think it's very hard, right, for all of us to really come up with really meaningful questions, right? Questions which are, right, puzzles that people really be interested in those puzzles, questions which are really kind of shifting perspectives. So to me, I think the ability of, it's almost like how do you see things in a different light Right. How do you you're not just trying to make a very incremental small contribution, just repeating what everybody else is doing? But um I think it's not easy, but I think it should be right, right an ambition. It should be something that's a, yes, you know, I'm 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 really looking at those problems and I'm really trying to see them in a, in a different light. Um, so I think that's one. I think the other one which I in know, you guys is um, right? You see a lot of, I see a lot of seminars, I see a lot of job talks. I think one thing that some many times surprises me is when people have kind of very good results, but they have no clue of what's really happening, right? The mechanisms or they have no clue about what's really happening in the the world. So my sense is kind of the ability to, to show the results, right? Whatever you're doing, but also to understand what's behind them. Uh, I think it's very important.
0: So um, I think you covered uh, the advice part as well. Uh, what is one question that I should have asked you but didn't? I think maybe,
1: yes, you you could have asked me, you know, what kind of advice I give not to the PhD students but to okay. my MBA students? Here you go. I you know I think a lot of our right, a lot of our job is what we're teaching right, our international business students. And, and I think the, the first one that I always tell them um, and I say no, this might sound counterintuitive because we always talk about cultural distances, we always talk about right how I mean, how different cultures behave and think about. I always tell them say no, try to see um, things beyond the differences of cultures and see what, what, what it means to be human, right? What keeps all, all human. And I mean, some companies are able to do that Some are, and I say, you no, know, maybe sometimes you'll be able to do this at a company level. And uh, you, know, you can think about companies you know, like L'Oréal, right? The beauty companies, you know, we think about the universal sense of beauty, things that would go beyond culture, but you know, this is not easy. But if you don't do this oh, at, the, at the professional life, at least try to do this personally. Like, try as you have in relationships, right? You appreciate different cultures, appreciate that we might be different on a number of dimensions, but also don't forget to appreciate what makes us all humans. So I think that's the first advice I give them. I think the second one, I right, and I think it goes back to what we discussed before. I always tell them, you know, the we are very lucky and I really write and a lot of our students are, are very lucky, very privileged to be where they are. I think in addition and typically they're very well trained as we are, you know, in addition to, of using your knowledge and all this training, right, for professional progress and progress and success, the measures of, of, of progress for career, Think hard in terms of how can you help and right, and how can you make a positive impact? Because you know, I think together with knowledge and together with what we get, I think comes also the responsibility. And I think we have a huge responsibility. And I, and I think they do; they have a really huge responsibility in terms of kind of how do they have a positive impact in the world. Um, and I think the final one is really a, and and you no, know, be grateful and kind of and show your gratitude um because i think i I say and i even tell you no i think it's good for you but being grateful is good for you but also nobody is where you are without the help of so many people and uh and i think we should always remember that so you guys before anything else thank you so much i'm kind of i'm kind of I have so many people to thank, but also thank you for this invitation. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: I enjoyed it more than you did. Uh, Thank you. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you, Felipe. Thank you.